Welcome to the Arise podcast. My name is Tanya Anderson. I'm the CEO here at Arise. It's my pleasure to have with me Beth Herney-Fricano, who is the director of our mental health clinic. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. So, Beth, you have just been in your role as the director of our mental health clinic for a short time. Yes. About a month? Uh, We're heading into a month, yeah. (laughs) Well, welcome. We're really thrilled to have you as part of the team. And um, as folks may or may not know, our mental health clinic is pretty significant presence in the community. We have um, a main clinic here at 635 James Street in Syracuse. We have a clinic in Fulton, New York, and we have about 30 satellites in various community locations, primarily schools in Onondaga and Oswego County. Is that right? Yes, that's my understanding so far, yeah. And it's a really big job that you're taking (laughs) on. You're completely capable. But we're going to talk about today something else that is near and dear to your heart, and that is your, your teaching career. Yes, it's very, very near and dear to my heart. So can you let us know um, what's, where's, where do you currently teach? Currently, this semester, I'm teaching in the College of Nursing at SUNY Upstate. Um, in the, and I have um, significant history teaching at OCC in the Human Service Department and um, some experience at SU in the School of Social Work. And I'll be back there again in the spring and summer of next year. That's great. And how long have you been teaching? Um, I've been teaching roughly since 2011, so 10 or 11 years now. That's a long time. It's a long time. Saying it is is, is wild because it doesn't seem like that long. And what attracted you to doing this side gig? Because you are a very busy person. Um, well, it's interesting that you asked me that because it, never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought public speaking and I just don't get along, so I never would have thought that. I would ever be in front of a classroom Um, and the reason I initially got involved was um, saying yes to somebody who asked me and my um, uncomfortability saying no so (laughs) (laughs) I said yes and I started it Um, I filled in for a class a course and I've been teaching ever since I loved it I just didn't know I loved it until I was asked to do it what a wonderful discovery. Yeah, and that awesome. first course, what were you teaching? Um, the very first course, I believe, was connected. It was either chemical dependency introduction, something related to the field that I was in. At the time, I was um, employed um, at um, what's now Helio Health, but um, someone from OCC was coming on site to have a super have a site review for an intern and we got to talking and she asked me if I would fill in for a course the next semester and I said yes so it was related to chemical dependencies treatment my very first course and these these courses are related to people who are getting their degree with respect to substance use disorder and other sorts of mental health counseling is that right yes at OCC um, was the I started in the chemical dependency track which was part of the human service degree and at SU, it's the um, social work de- master social work degree, and the College of Nursing. Um, I'm working with um, students in the nurse practitioner program. Wow! And these are students who are some are undergraduates, some are um, graduate students, some are professionals tracks. What sort of students are you teaching? 
all of all of the above um, and in the sense of um, the current semester is they are already nursing um, professionals many of them in the field going back for their the to get the NP credential um, and um, at OCC it was um, both um, fresh out of high school making the transition to college as well as um, mature non-traditional students and at SU it's been graduate level coming from a social work primarily background. Wow and what courses are you teaching right now? Right now I'm teaching um, the specific names let me think uh, family mental health theory and mental health across the lifespan. Wow so that sounds pretty technical, but breaking it down for someone like me that isn't in the field, what sort of concepts are you teaching to your students? Um, the, the mental health across the lifespan um, is very much what it sounds like. The other one is a little bit misleading, but that one um, is just talking, educating the students about mental health, which is amazing, I think, especially um, in the College of Nursing, because that's not a traditional topic that nurses get information on in mental doctors and nurses do not get a lot of training on mental health addiction and other behavioral health and so the fact that the curriculum is allowing for it i think it is an amazing opportunity for the students so the mental health across the lifespan is talking about um, on a very general level different mental health diagnoses and conditions and how they uh, change and evolve from the over the course of the lifetime of um, the person. The other course I'm teaching is a little bit more more technical um, in the some of the neuroscience behind mental health and um, but then it also talks about the different types of mental health disorders and theoretical frameworks for addressing th those disorders and how the primary care setting is relevant in that in that particular regard right and it it does strike me as amazing that you are dealing with professionals that don't normally hear about mental health diagnoses or conditions if it weren't for your class right and I, I don't I can't say equivocally that unequivocally that they don't have that but the fact that the I have been told numerous times that the medical profession in and of itself do medical professionals going through training do not get much if any information on mental health and addiction and to be honest Tanya that's part of why I jumped at the chance to teach them both because I was impressed by the fact that in a college of nursing NP program they were allowing space right. for this topic and it may seem obvious to you and me why it's important for those professionals to have that perspective but can you um, expand on that a little bit sure um, in the primary care setting is as as many people know is the first line of defense if you will that tends to be where people go when something is not right mm -hmm. um, and that includes when when folks are feeling um, that something's not right emotionally um, that kind of so the being the front line the um, primary care providers nurses NPs um, the entire medical profession really is an opportunity to notice signs and symptoms um, or issues before anybody else and so if they don't know what to look for they could easily miss 
miss it. But giving them information and the tools to recognize these disorders um, really provides much sooner intervention than many of these individuals would have otherwise. Because often by the time they get to a designated mental health facility, they're in really, really rough shape. Right, so this is like any other disease. If you catch it early, you can put things in place, strategies in place so that someone can recover if it's an illness or get coping strategies if it's a mental health issue much sooner than if you just let it go on. Absolutely. And another reason um, that it's so important is because of the, the connection between physical and mental health. And we know backed by tons of research and literature is that if you're struggling with your mental health, your, your body is going to evidence that in some way, shape, or form down the road. And again, that's the signs and symptoms that primary care providers see and may miss that it's connected to a mental health problem if they're not trained or schooled in how to look for that. Right. And so there's misdiagnosis, which then can lead to mismanagement um, of medications, all those kinds of things that could happen if the original source of the signs and symptoms is not detected. Right. And I'm thinking of the depression screening as a pretty common example yes. of that. Can you walk us through that? Well, there are numerous depre depression screening tools out there, but the idea in terms of the first point of contact in the primary care setting, doing some type of screening that would, um, even a screening tool that's not a full depressive depression assessment would be helpful because there would be indicators. And these tools are scored such that certain indicators would warrant using another tool, more comprehensive tool. Um, that may or may not be done in the primary care setting, but if the initial screening for depression, anxiety, any mental health disorder is done at that level, then the appropriate referral can be made. Right. Whereas if the screening, the indicators aren't even um, paid attention to, they could be missed. Right. And these are things like um, how are your sleeping patterns? Are you eating more or less than usual? That sort of thing? Yes. The common, again, very... Um, more common um, indicators of depression um, that you just mentioned. And then as the assessment gets more and more comprehensive, so the, the symptomology becomes a lot more specific and, and um, it would be beyond the scope of the primary care provider, but they have such a role in that initial um, basic signs and symptoms type screening. Right. So I think we've explored why it's so valuable, the content that you're teaching. Can you talk a little bit about what attracts you to teaching? Um, yes, I'd be happy to. Um, teaching, for me, I personally have a love of learning and um, have always done whatever I could to continue learning. And the opportunity to be able to assist others in that same process and hopefully in some small way instill a love of learning in the students that I'm privileged to teach um, is, is really, um, really, really meaningful, meaningful to me. Um, and 
one of the most significant things that I enjoy about teaching is that as you build the relationship with your students, very much like a clinical relationship, they become more trusting and um, uh, engaging and share, they share. And, that, mm -hmm. and what I find is that I'm actually part of a process of recovery for a lot of my a lot of students again that I'm privileged to teach not just recovery from substance abuse but behavioral health mental health just I'm part of their healing journey wow and to me it, that is um, there's no greater privilege um, I've done this my I've been in this field my entire career not necessarily the teaching part of it but um, behavioral health mental health substance abuse and to be a part of someone else, to be invited in and be a part of someone else's healing process, to me is the biggest privilege. That's amazing that you're able to create that intimacy and that bond with a, a student in a classroom setting. And is it a matter of the, the, the time that you're spending, the, the content that really triggers the conversation? How does that work? I think it's a combination, I know it's a combination of things. Um, and again, I really try to utilize my clinical skills in the classroom in the sense of building a rapport and a relationship and creating a safe environment. And without that, learning is is impaired anyways right. regardless of the my belief as a professor regardless of the topic area but when you're um, teaching about human humans and human behavior and, and and human services the best learning comes when people share their own experiences either personally family or in their in their life experience so to create an environment where those conversations can happen has always been my primary goal. The content will get to the content, but if you don't create, I feel if I don't create the right environment, then students aren't going to be getting the best that they could get out of the courses, and that comes from their peers. You've um, revealed a whole layer of teaching that never even occurred to me, and it's just very fascinating to me what we're talking about. Can you share some particular stories about a student and that connection and their later professional success that um, you've been able to experience? Yes, there. Um, one of the other things that I um, have always enjoyed about teaching is the fact that I can work with interns, some of whom I'm actually teaching at the time, in my full-time job at, at where, whatever organization I've been in. And mm -hmm. it's been important to me as a professor to stay grounded in the nonprofit setting so that I stay relevant and current with, with what I'm teaching. And so the opportunity to work with interns has been also um, very humbling and, and amazing. And several of the interns that I've had the privilege of working with have then become employees at the organizations that I've been associated with. Um, and part of that is because of the relationship that we started when they first walked into the classroom. And I have one in particular to share just, um, he, he walked into the classroom and, and I knew from the first night he was gonna be trouble because he was sarcastic, <laughs> he had something to say about everything and all of that. And um, 
so we got through that. Had a great semester, and and ultimately he ended up coming um, to work at Prevention Network while I was there, and it was um, based on our relate. He told me at a later point that it was based on the relationship. He knew the first night of class that he was going to get a positive experience in the classroom because of what he had seen or heard from me and how I responded to him in a way other professors had, had not. And so that ended up being a multi-year relationship um, and he ended up um, becoming an employee. And he was interested in the agency because of the relationship that we already had formed. And that speaks so highly of your skills as a teacher and as a leader. And I know that you've also um, run cross paths with one of your former students here at Arise. Yes, I have. Um, uh, Alyssa was just recently hired in our Fulton Clinic, and I don't know if she remembers me, but I remember her very well as a student in in um, several of the courses I taught uh, at OCC. I'm sure years she ago. remembers you. So, um, welcome, Alyssa. It's <laughs> awesome to see you and have you here, and um, it just it just warms my heart to be a part of of her journey now in another way. Well, it's it's awesome to have you here, Beth, <laughs> at Arise. And Thank you. I look forward to future conversations about the great work that we're doing here at the clinic. And if folks want to learn more about Arise and our mental health clinic, please visit ariseinc.org. Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you so much for the opportunity for the podcast as well as the employment. I'm in a great place. Thanks. For more information on how you can support Arise, visit our website at ariseinc.org. Support Arise. Support Independence.